0: How are you today? You ready to go? You going to help me preach today? All right. It's going to be a good day today. Welcome. So good to have you all. Isn't it beautiful outside? I've been waiting on fall for a long time. It feels a little like winter sometimes, but it's adjusted a little bit, and I'm having a good week. Good to see you all. Welcome to part three of our series called I.D., And in this series, we're talking about identity because we want you to find your identity in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. We do not want you to find identity in your pain, we do not want you to find identity in your past. We certainly don't want you to find identity in the culture who would twist and turn your identity. We want you to find your identity in him, in Jesus Christ, and he will give you that. He is your creator, he is your sustainer, and he is the one who will speak your name and your identity over your life if we will listen to him. Now, you have an enemy who hates you because you're made in the image of God. Did you know that? You have an enemy who hates you. That's why things are a little crazy in your life. Have you ever felt like uh, three things happen bad at one time and you think somebody's got a strategy against me? Well, there is somebody who has a strategy against you to try to destroy you because you and I are made in the image of God and he wants to do everything he can. And one of his strategies is to twist our identities into anything except the true person that Jesus Christ called you to be. He's always done this and he always will try. He even did this to Jesus himself when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness. Did you know that? Before Jesus went into public ministry, he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness and the first thing the devil said to him, if you are really the son of God, he was challenging his identity at that moment. We're going to talk today in Genesis 25 about one of the most hotly contested and fought over identities in all of Scripture. And this identity battle took place in the life of a young man whose true name was Israel, who they tried to call Jacob and turn him into a Jacob. But as he got older, he wrestled with God. We'll talk about that a bit next week. And God told him, your true name that I call you is Israel you imagine that? The guy who carried the name of the whole nation had the greatest identity battle. You know the devil hates Israel. I said the devil hates Israel. And he hates Jerusalem. Love me or hate me, I'm going to tell you this this morning. If you disagree, I'm still going to love you. If you go out the door, I'm still going to love you. The devil hates Israel. He hates Jerusalem. You know, Jesus sacrificed his life for the sin of the world right there in Jerusalem. Jesus ascended to heaven from the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. He will return again in his second coming and sit down on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. He will rule and reign the world, and I'm looking forward to the government being on Jesus' shoulders. He will rule and reign over this world from Jerusalem one day, so the enemies attack in Jerusalem. There's a war right now going on in Israel And we stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. The Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we stand there. God says to Abraham, I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. So I am going to be on the side of Israel, and I pray our nation will bless Israel as well and stand with Israel. The devil hates Israel, and he contested his identity from the beginning. Genesis 25 verses 21 through 28, we're going to read it today. It says this, Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah his wife conceived. But the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body, One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. (laughs) I like that. It's okay, poor Esau, we can laugh at him today. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out. And his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. The very first attack that Satan brought against this young man truly named Israel was he attempted to make his mother barren. You know, this is very common in the Messianic line down throughout the Bible. If you read and study the Bible, you will see that the Old Testament traces the genealogical line leading down to Jesus Christ. And it gives us some real unsavory characters that are in Jesus' genealogy. I am so glad when they listed all of Jesus' family tree that they existed. The tra- they, they listed the train wrecks as well. Anybody out here ever been a train wreck? Boy, they put them right in the Bible and said they're a part of the story, and I'm so glad. But as you trace down through this line, you will see again and again and again women who were barren. That is the attack of the devil to try to stop their babies from being ever born. You will also see in the messianic line of Jesus again and again the mass murder of babies that were in his line. You'll see it all over the Bible, in and out of his line. You see it in the days of Moses. Moses is a type and a symbol of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And when Moses was born, Pharaoh killed all the children all over the region he was born to try to destroy the seed. When Jesus was born, Herod killed all the young men in the region, all the babies from two years old and under, to try to destroy the seed. But it says this, that even though she was barren, hear me, it says the Lord granted his plea and Rebecca, his wife, conceived. Can I tell you God's wanting to birth something in your life and the devil is fighting it with everything he can fight and you're in the middle of that fight right now. Some of you are in spiritual labor right now. This is extra, by the way, so you better write this down. Did you see labor? I was there when it happened. It was very painful to me. I hurt a lot. And I suffered through it, but I made it. (laughs) Somebody hang on to my wife. Security, make sure my wife doesn't storm the (laughs) pulpit, please. Labor's tough. It's a battle. Some of you, God's given birth to something very beautiful in your life, and there's going to be great joy when God brings it. And the devil's fighting it with everything he's fighting. Can I tell you something? At the end of your labor, there's going to be a baby. That's better preaching than you're doing this morning. You you promised you were going to help me. At the end of your labor, there's going to be a beautiful child. You're going to see the fruit of your labor. The devil can't stop it. You cry out to the Lord, and he will bring it to pass. Can I tell you that? Weeping may endure for the night. The Bible says joy comes in the morning. I want you to receive that right now over your situation. The child was born. The devil could not stop the seed of Jesus coming into the world. But then Rebecca noticed when she had a child. Now understand they had no ultrasounds or x-rays in the day. So she had no way of knowing that she had twins. In that day you found out that you had twins when one was born and another kept coming. So she notices, though, there's a struggle going on in her womb. You think your kids are bad. These boys, these twins, were fighting in the womb. And she knew something was going on inside of her, and she wondered if something was wrong. tell you, sometimes when God blesses you, he gives you more than you can handle. I'm I'm throwing in extras this morning. I just want you all to know. You all getting some extra stuff here today. God will give you often more. She asked for a child, and God said, I'll show you. I'll give you two. (laughs) Then it became a struggle in her womb. And she said, what's going on? Something can't be right with this. And it says she asked God about it, and God spoke to her and told her that the two children in her womb would become two great nations. And he said, the older will serve the younger, which was not the norm in the day. Hence the struggle that is going on even while they're in the womb. It would show the struggle that these boys would have in their lives. Now the children came out. They're extremely different. Esau's covered with red hair all over. He's a furry little baby. It's like he's born with an ugly Christmas sweater already on. (laughs) hey I'm just the Bible says I mean it doesn't say Christmas sweater but he's red and hairy the second son was born he was different the Hebrew tells us that he was uh, smooth he wasn't hairy like his brother you ever wonder how kids can be so different I used to think you know I used to be an expert on parenting right before I had children Man, I knew everything. I like to tell people how to raise their kids till I had my own. Our first child was born. Our son, Michael, he was born. And Michael was really easy. Uh, he was very compliant. Michael rarely ever cried. And, and I just thought, man, that's good genes right there. That's my boy right there. He's just so easy to get along with. And I used to think that children were just the product of their raising, that they came out kind of a blank slate That you wrote on. Along came my daughter, and she shattered all my illusions. Now, you don't get me wrong, I'm so proud of my daughter. I was with her last weekend in Tennessee, and we're so proud of her. And she is a powerful leader. She's making an impact at a huge church in Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm so proud of her. Let me just tell you, she ain't compliant. you got to talk with her and reason her. And she liked to ask why a lot. But let me tell you, the day we brought her home, I knew we had a whole different child the first night. She screamed at the top of her lungs all night long. Esau and Jacob were very different when they were born. Jacob grabbed his brother's heel. All the child did was had his hand on his brother's heel, and they named him heel grabber. That may not sound bad to you, but in Hebrew, that means con man. That means deceiver. They named the kid deceiver. I want you to hear what's happening here, and this is a preview of next week. The kid that was to be called Israel had an identity put on him from the very start that was a lie. They called him deceiver, and his name really means he who has prevailed with God. Much better name. That's what happened. Now, when the boys grew up, they were very different as well. It says Esau, the older, loved to hunt. He loved to be outside. He loved to do all the manly man things. But Jacob was a, the Bible describes him as a plain man, a smooth man, an indoors kind of guy. He was completely opposite Esau in so many ways. Any of y'all ever had two kids and they both came from you and they're completely opposite? They look differently, they think differently, they act differently. Wonder why that happened. Maybe it's because God made individuals that he didn't make us all cookie cutters, but I get ahead of myself. Esau was different. Then as they grew up, we see their whole story is rife with Identity problems. As they grew up, the Bible said Esau was loved by his dad. Isaac loved Esau because he was a good hunter and he could make good food for him. He'd go out, kill something, drag it home, cook it, and feed it to his dad. Dad was happy. He loved Esau. Jacob, the mild-mannered, plain guy who wanted to stay indoors, was loved by his mother. So mom and dad were playing favorites. What do we learn from this seemingly dysfunctional family. Y'all just thought dysfunctional family started in 2000s? Read your Bible. So many people that did great things had dysfunction in their lives. What do we learn from these people? Number one, their identities were present in the womb. Their identities were present in the womb. There are some people today who say that a baby in the womb is just a clump of cells but God would say differently from that. That child in the womb is the creation of God made in the image of God that is an image bearer of God and that's true of them when they are inside the womb. God said of Jacob and Esau there are two great nations in there. Their identities were there. Their personalities were there. I haven't told this to any other service because I don't know if I can fit it in. We're going to find out. There's an old Jewish legend that said that uh, Rebekah, every time she got near a temple that had an idol in it, Esau would start beating up Jacob in her womb. And every time she would go to the house of the Lord, Jacob would start beating up Esau. That's an old Jewish legend. I don't know if it's true. Maybe I just wasted 30 seconds of time here. Their personalities were intact in the womb. I want you to see they were who God made them to be before they were born. God said this to the prophet Jeremiah, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. He said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. That means I set you apart for your purpose. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. He said before you were in the womb. I knew you, and I had a calling over your life. The psalmist says it this way. He says, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. God, you made all the pieces of my body, and you put me together in my mother's womb. Can I tell you something? You and I are not the result of some merely some... Scientific biological process that can be studied in a lab. God created each of us in his own image. He's given us a personality. He's given us a destiny. He's given us a gender. He has given us a calling and he does that perfectly without mistake. He knits us together perfectly. Now you may not like some of the ways you're put together. You ever look in the mirror and say I would change that. God knows you. He knew you from the start. And he made you to fulfill the calling that he gave you on this earth. And he did it perfectly. None of you in this place are an accident. Oh, please don't ever call a baby an accident. None of you are a mistake. God created you and he gave you an identity And it was present in the womb. Now, I want you to see a second thing. They were completely different from each other. Aren't you glad God didn't make us all alike? God is, I I know this word is loaded up. It's been politicized, but it's still a great word, diversity. God is a God of incredible diversity. You ever noticed all the birds? i got bird feeders out the back of my house. We get visited by all kinds of birds, and I love it. They come by seasons. I'm getting to know my birds. They're my birds. They are. I'm going to tell you, I put out the feeders at the same time every day, and if I'm late, they let me know. They call to me. We had the windows open, and I'm like, Babe, I've got to get up. The birds are mad. They're all so different and so beautiful. Why did God do that? He could have made bird He could have made dog. He loves diversity. Do you know he loves diversity among us? He didn't make us all alike. He made us all different. And I'm going to tell you, we need to celebrate our differences. Oh, church people get nervous right now. What is he talking about? Esau was a hairy hunter who loved to be outside outside. Israel was a mild-mannered, smooth-skinned guy who liked to stay inside the tent. I want to say something powerful, I believe. Different does not mean defective. Different does not mean defective. God did not make a mistake when he created you. Just because you do not fit everyone else's stereotypical definitions Now I'm going to have to define that or I'm going to be in trouble. Esau's a manly man, right? By our standards. He liked to hunt. He wore flannel. (laughs) He always ended up with a girl in the Hallmark movies. That would have been Esau. (laughs) Oh, guys, here they come again. They're on the way. Here they come. I need to stop and say our own Calvin Hicks is in one of those so I can't say anything about our own Calvin Hicks is going to be in one of those movies. He's the latter guy so y'all look for Calvin and we're going to love that one. Esau's the hunter. By cultural definitions he's the manly man. Can I tell you guys something and ladies something? Gender stereotypes in culture don't mean that those things are biblical. The Bible doesn't say you have to love to hunt to be a man. I don't like to hunt, but I'm still a man. I'd appreciate a few more amens on that subject if you would. I'd appreciate them very much. I don't like to hunt because it's cold. I don't have a problem with hunting. i got a lot of friends and family who love to hunt, and I'm okay with it. I tried it. I can't sit still long enough to hunt. had an uncle try to get me up in a deer stand and uh, I got up in that little deer stand and I can't sit still long enough. I'll fall out of the thing. I don't like to hunt. I love to fish, don't love to hunt. I don't like to camp. I met a guy from the church. He walked across the hallway this week. He said, I'm going camping this weekend. I was like, why? (laughs) Why would you do that? Now, I like getting up and there being a fire and cooking breakfast over the fire. I like that part. And I like at night sitting around around the fire and telling stories around the fire. But in the middle of those two things, there needs to be a bed and hot water <laughs> and a toilet. Yeah. You want to go sleep outside? You go ahead. I ain't going with you. Don't invite me. I'm not going. <laughs> not sleeping in a tent. Doesn't make me less of a man. Doesn't make you less of a man if you don't like that stuff. I grew up not. I wasn't great at sports. I had my nose stuck in a book book most of my childhood. I'm a book nerd. Nerds are doing pretty good in our day. I'll just have to say. It's all right, guys. If you don't fit everybody's definition of what a man is, it's okay. God made you a little different it doesn't mean you're a freak nope. you don't have to live under everybody else's definition you've got to let God tell you who you are and not the culture yes. even though the culture tries to press you into a mold and said this is a man and this is a woman and if you're on the outside of any of this you've got to try to change yep. can I tell you what You may be a lady and you don't like frilly dresses and you didn't like playing with dolls. Then don't wear frilly dresses and go out in the mud and play with bulldozers and trucks. Doesn't mean you're not a woman. We put these labels on kids and we confuse them. You may have a little boy and he wants to cross stitch. Let him. Oh, come on. Dad's like, oh, my boy. Yeah, come on. It's okay. He may be a creative. So, oh, goodness. I'm just going to dig a hole here this morning. Okay. So many creatives, especially young men who are talented in creative things and arts, were told you're different. You're gay. You need to change genders. When none of that is true at all, God made them for who He called them to be. Can I tell you, Dad and Mom, your job is not to turn them into you. Your job is to nurture the person God called them to be. Amen. So, if you're a young man or a young woman and you don't fit every narrow cultural stereotype of gender, it does not mean you're gay. It does not mean you need to go have surgery to change your gender. It means God made you a unique human being and He placed you on earth for a special purpose and embrace that and receive His purpose over your life. It's okay. You're different, you're okay. Different does not mean defective. Did I say that already? this is the third time I've preached this. So I'm wondering what I've told you next service. That'll be even more. We laughed the other day at my son's house, my daughter, Becca, she's here somewhere. Becca is so good with crafts. And if you go by their house, she has built at Christmas time, these beautiful trees. And I mean, they're taller than I am, beautiful Christmas trees and reindeer. And she's cut them out of particle board and put them together, these big things. And she lights them behind. And, uh, they are so beautiful. She made a big pumpkin this year and it's out there and it is so beautiful. She does that herself. So we go over there last fall and we go over to their house and we walk in. Michael's at the stove cooking dinner. Becca comes in covered in sawdust and Michael says, "Dinner's ready, honey." That does not make my son any less a man or my daughter-in-law any less a woman. Because we need both. Can I get an amen? Different does not mean defective. Doesn't mean you need to change your gender. Doesn't mean that defines your sexuality. Now, I want to say this. If you struggle with gender identity or sexual identity, I want to say this. We love you, period. We love you, period, There are no strings attached to our love. We will love you. If you disagree with us, you'll still love you. We're not going to give up what we believe to be true to accommodate you, and you're not going to give up to accommodate, right? We're not going to abandon what we believe about God's word and who Jesus has called us to be if it makes you uncomfortable. And we're willing to walk through discomfort to help you in your journey as well. We love you, Period. But our love is not wishy-washy. Our love is not afraid to get uncomfortable. Our love is not afraid to walk through some difficulties. We'll speak truth in love. Amen? Amen? See, there's great diversity in God's kingdom, but there's something we all share. It's God's design. This is what the scripture said. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him Male and female, he created them. God's image is born, and he said this specifically by male and female. A child needs a mom and a dad. Yes. Yes. One of the attempts and the struggles in culture today is destroying the family structure that God ordained to be in the world, and we are seeing incredible societal problems because oftentimes the children didn't have a dad sometimes didn't have a mom can I tell you single moms and single dads they're both of those did you know you're both heroic you are heroic If you're raising your child as a single mom or a single dad I want you to understand God bless you and we're here to support you if your child doesn't have a dad or your child doesn't have a mom, I'll tell you what, get them in the body of Christ and get them around godly men and godly women who can help compensate for that gap and that, what's missing in their lives. Men and women together bear the image of God, and that's why that's so under attack by the devil in our day. He created them in his image, male and female. An attack on your gender identity is an attack by the enemy. And it's an attack right now on mankind as whole as image bearers, our status as image bearers of God. We believe this with all our heart. And I want you to hear me. Not everybody agrees with me on this, but I believe this with all of my heart. Follow Jesus and he'll bring healing to any identity crisis you find. Any identity crisis you're walking through, Jesus will bring healing to it. And I believe this, I believe the statement when God knit you together in the womb, he gave you a gender. And I believe that's his statement over your life of what gender you are. If you struggle with that, I love you. You can walk out the door and never come back and I love you anyway. But I believe God made a statement when we're born as to our gender. And confusion in that is from the enemy. And it's to try to destroy you. You can try everything you can to change that. Ultimately, you may hate this. You can't really change that. God wants to bring healing in the depths of your soul to your identity. You know, I don't do this. And I didn't do this series so I could bang on the pulpit and say, I'm right and you're wrong. We didn't start this series to make a political statement to anybody so we could be smug and self-righteous, that we told the truth and showed them. That's not why we're up here. We're up here to say that Jesus himself made you, he created you, he formed you, he called you, he's got a place for you, and he wants you to find that place in him. Amen. Amen. And you can. And we'll walk with you through that, whatever the struggle. Now, last idea I want to look at. Their identities... Affected their parents' affinity for them. Here's what happened Esau, red furry Esau, good hunter, went out and got game for his father, brought meat to him, and Isaac, uh, yeah, Isaac loved him. I'm looking at Isaac trying to figure out the name. Isaac loved Esau, Rebekah loved Jacob. Parents had favorites. Can I tell you something that's real easy for you to do? It's real easy for you to have an affinity for the child who's like you. Again, you're not called to turn him into you. You're called to nurture them into the person God made them to be. But it's so easy to have an affinity for a child. You get the child that thinks like you you also fight with the child who thinks like you. I'm just going to throw this out here right now. I love the elbows. <laughs> Listen, when you, email, when you elbow somebody during a message, don't hit them so hard that I can see it, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's like I say something like that and I see people going, identify with the kids who are like you but you fight with them you know why you're fighting with them? they're like you you've met your match but it's so easy to play favorites with your kids love them love them with their differences nurture them to be who God called them to be But make sure, mom and dad, that you are present in their lives. Some dads think, I want to make a little more money to provide for my family. You're not just the breadwinner of the family, you're the father of the family. And your family maybe could do with a little less money and a little more time present from you. Don't sacrifice that for money. i got to quit. Parents whose children struggle with these things, here's what I want to say, because we love you. We're not going to kick you out. We're not going to run you away. We're not going to shame you. We're going to walk through it with you. Parents whose children struggle with identity issues, number one, don't panic. When they come to you and think and tell you they're confused, don't panic. Parenting is a long exercise in trying not to go... (gasps) Can I get an amen? Amen. Don't panic. Everybody deals with some confusion, whether they admit it or not, to some degree or another. Anybody ever been through puberty? You know, I thought I'd have a winner that everybody would raise their hands on that one, but some of you, you won't raise your hand for anything. You got 16 kids and you won't admit you went through puberty. I don't know what to do with y'all. Puberty, when hormones are awakening and life is awakening and words I can't say are awakening. So easy for kids to get confused, especially in our day. You know what you say when your child's confused? It's okay. That's the normal part of growing up. Don't panic. Here's what I'm going to say as well. You hold on to your faith stronger than ever in what you believe. The challenge for for Christians right now, is many of them are having children coming out with uh, struggles and issues, and it's so easy in that time to think you need to abandon your faith in what you believe to love that child. They need you to believe what you believe more than ever in this time. They need you to stand up for the truth right now. They don't need you to compromise. They need you to stand, even if it's difficult. Yes. Even if it's a fight. Even if it's just an argument. Contend for what you believe. Yes. Last thing I want to tell you, pursue that child just as Jesus pursued you. Yes. Yes. There's a lie out there, and I'm quitting with this. I promise. The lie is if my child struggles with identity issues, I either have to reject my faith or I have to reject them. Absolute lie. You can hold tightly to your faith and hold tightly to your child at the very same time. You hear me? Do you hear me? Jesus came chasing me when I was a lost sinner running away from him. Can I get an amen? And I'm going to tell you, I'm not letting go of my child and I'm not letting go of my Jesus. Amen. I'm holding on tightly to both of them and contending for those relationships. Amen. Let's pray today. I've said more than enough. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege to be here together with people we love and the family of God. Thank you, God, you created us in your own image. Thank you, God. And God, some of us may struggle with that. We may not like things about ourselves. We may not understand what you did. But God, help us today. Come in by your spirit and do what we can't do. Set people free in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I wonder if anybody here would say, Pastor, it's my day. I will not want to embarrass you, but people have done this all day today. It's my day to say yes to Jesus. Can I see your hand really quick if that's you? I'm saying yes to Jesus today. Anybody here today? I've had several today. All right. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that so much. Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me. I surrender today my life and all I am to you. From this day forward, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm a new person in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you celebrate with me as you stand today? In this series, I've had so much. I walk around town thinking, boy, I hope I said that right. I know what the issue is and I know how sensitive it is. Can I tell you what's been happening to me the last two, three weeks? I'll be walking in a store somewhere and I'll be pushing a shopping cart thinking, did I say that right? Did I say that right? And somebody, well, one of y'all will come up to me. And it's happened to me. Six times at least that people come up to me and talk about the very thing I was thinking about and say it helped me. So thank you. So if you see me in the grocery store going like this, come talk to me. Huge difference in Israel If any other of his, you know, little trivia here. What's different? What happened to Israel that happened to nobody else that I can think of in his whole line? He was actually embalmed by the Egyptians, the master embalmers of the day. They embalmed his body and preserved it carefully. Why do I tell you that? I want you to go out and figure out the significance of that and come tell me about it. Some of you may know it, but I was reading that this morning thinking, wow, something's there, and I'm going to figure that out. I'm going to give you a blessing today that I hope heard around the world. It needs to be heard around the world. This is for you. This is for Israel, and I want it to be spoken over you and over us and let God take it wherever he wants to. Isaiah 43, but now, thus saith the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you, When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Amen, amen. I bless you today with that. Now I send you out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Make Jesus known. Love you all so much. We'll see you again soon. You be blessed.